Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And before we get to an awesome podcast with Georgine Huang of Fairy God Boss, quick shout out to Rippling, our sponsor. Rippling makes payroll software easy. They also make benefit software easy. And they also integrate into your IT stack to make it easy to spin up new team members and also get all the web services up and running. It, we did a little study internally and it cost us $420 per person that we hire at Cruise Consulting to get going. And I don't even know what that number is at Fairy God Boss, but I know there's probably someone spending some time and money there. So check out Rippling. It's a great service for payroll benefits and getting your IT stack nice and easy. And now I'd like to welcome Georgine. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yes. So we've worked together for a long time. You are an amazing woman, amazing entrepreneur. We have a really good time talking to each other. Maybe you can just kind of uh, give a quick, you know, how you were inspired to start Fairy God Boss or retrace your career a little bit. Well, the beginning of the Fairy God Boss were pretty dramatic. It all started with me getting fired. <laughs> I didn't know that. Management job. Yeah, it's like lots of dramatic career stories. Fairy God was born because I had a terrible day at work. I walked into the office, found out my boss and CEO was being fired, and two weeks later, I was out as well as part of a management shakeup. But it was at a very bad time personally in my life because I happened to be two months pregnant at the time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so nobody knew I was pregnant. I wasn't fired because I was pregnant. But this meant that I was going on the job market, feeling pretty vulnerable, and wanting to find out things that I didn't think I could really talk about honestly. Things like, were there any women in management at these companies I was interviewing at? Did they have parental leave policy because I was about to have a kid? And uh, what was that policy and what was the culture of this company like in terms of face time versus flexibility? And, you know, how results oriented were they and what was what was the politics like? And I was really surprised that there wasn't better information. I, I'm, you know, one of 70 million women in the U.S. workforce and not all of them have to be pregnant executives to care about the stuff I cared about. You know, what's interesting about and that's a that's incredible that you even have to kind of ask those questions. Do you feel like. Because Fairy God Boss takes care of a lot of that stuff now, and you, I'm sure you'll get into that in a second. But do you feel like there's a stigma when you're interviewing and you start asking questions like that, which are questions that everyone is entitled to and it's part of like every job and there shouldn't be a stigma. But do you feel like people kind of unfortunately look at you in kind of a different way when you start getting into that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you're a woman of a particular age – especially you're going to be looked at as, oh, you're not that serious about your career. You really just care about work-life balance. <laughs> and in my case, yes, that was true, but I'm so career-focused and committed. It's just that I have other things in my life. And I think typically men, and this may be generationally changing, don't ask those questions. Like it would never occur to them to ask those questions, or it's not like socially appropriate. For, but I think it's different and changing. Uh, yeah, you're right, and I and I haven't asked those questions in the past, but but it also, um, yeah, it's like it's kind of like an unfair kind of stigma, you know. And I'm so glad that that Fairy God Boss solves a lot of that stuff. I guess that's where the inspiration came from. Yeah, and you know, before I had worked mostly with men. I uh, you asked about my career earlier. I worked on Wall Street, been up, been on a trading floor at a hedge fund, been a corporate lawyer, and so I never really thought about my gender, despite having worked in these male-dominated industries, until this moment. 
until the moment that it real this stuff really mattered. Was so what what ended up happening? So you you did some of these interviews and you're like, oh my god, I I need to start a company to address this stuff. Yeah. Well, first I was just trying to solve my own problem. Like, how am I going to get this information? I can't talk about it openly. And I started using the internet at some point. Right. You run out of the personal network that you can whisper around this kind of stuff to and. Online, I was really surprised that women weren't better served with career content. There's so much fashion and design and makeup and food, but where's where's the stuff about how my family and I are going to make money get ahead financially? And and as you said, there's 70 million women in the workforce. Like that's just that's a very large unaddressed market right there. That's U.S. only, and if you look at Globally, there's probably 250 million women with LinkedIn profiles oh for those gosh. that identify as female. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! And so, what happened? You just decided to to get going on the idea? Well, I was cautious at first and thought, let's just launch an MVP and understand whether women will share this kind of information with each other. The form of sharing that I we launched in our MVP product was really job reviews. Anonymous job reviews for women by women. And it doesn't take a huge amount of investment to do that if you've ever done any product. And I was a product person before this. So, you know, got up the site and just really wanted to understand what kind of information you could get uh, women to share with each other and whether there would be of any quality because you can't build a business model around only negative job reviews. Right. Like it's going to be really hard to do that. Yep. And if it's not quality sort of content. Yep. You know, so luckily it turned out that women were willing to be forthcoming <laughs> about this. And, you know, we have about we, we now have one point five million registered users and not all of them leave job reviews, but there's a really healthy mix of job reviews on the site. And one of the things that we've really played around with in that MVP period was understanding what prompts got quality content. You can't just ask open ended questions. And say, you know, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I never thought about that because I yeah. would just do the what do you think? Like, what are, what's some of the stuff that you found that that triggered a response? So one of the companies in our space is very well known as Glassdoor, and they yep. ask about pros and cons of working at a company. And that's their way of getting at balanced feedback, mm-hmm. right? You, mm-hmm. they, they think, and it makes a lot of sense. If you ask for a pro, you'll get some positive stuff. If you ask for a con, <laughs> you'll get some negative stuff. Very simple and direct. For us, we were, our market research sort of showed that altruism was the number one motivator of women to leave a quality review. So our open-ended question, and we have a lot of non-open-ended questions that I'll get into, our open-ended question is just what advice would you give to another woman about working here? That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So that kind of triggers a set of answers that is supportive and constructive. Because even if something's not great, the reviews sort of indicate what you should do to manage that. Yep. And then we left a lot of room for structured content because there you can have an element of control, right? What's your level of job satisfaction on a scale of one to five? Do you think women and men are treated equally? Yes or no? Does your CEO support gender diversity? Yes, no, or I don't know. These are, you know, did you take parental leave, maternity leave, and if so, for how long? So these are things that, are in indications of culture that you can't mess around with. It's pretty structured and black and white. Wow, that's really smart. So you get them kind of going in an altruistic nature to help other women, and then you can also get like some some really kind of crowdsourced data. Yeah, that's really cool. And so it's like it's like it's working. Like you have one point five million people just that's registered. There's probably way more people using it on a monthly basis because they don't you know sometimes people don't want to register, right? 
Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, visitors to our site, and a lot of the parts of our site are available to anyone. So if you want to look for a job, if you want to look at the high-level review data before applying to a job, that's sort of there. If you want to just participate, if you want to just read what's in the feed every day, we have a feed-centered product now because we've gone way beyond just job reviews. Wow. And, and when you say beyond job reviews, is that is that the structured content stuff that you're in the aggregating those scores and things like that? Yeah, and like we have crowdsourced parental leave databases. But that's sort of all the um, the structured data. But we have just the ability to meet other women in the community and ask for advice. Yeah. And one of the ways, there's so, so, it's so great to be able to work with a community of women. And I hate generalizing about women because that's sort of what got us into trouble in the first place, I think, in society. But one of the things that we realized was that women value anonymity particularly. I, mean, I think everyone does when they're, when they want to or feel vulnerable. So everything that people do on our site can also be done anonymously. You can post a question about a bad manager or a bad day at work. You don't have to attach your member profile to that. Oh, and that's so important because you don't want to have retaliation, right? Or retaliation at the next job or people getting blackballed and things like that. Yeah, and it's also a way to really be different than other communities online, like LinkedIn and Facebook. It's your face. It's your name. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. your job. And what if you really need advice about how to deal with a bad manager? You can't put that on LinkedIn. <laughs> you're, t- you're totally right. And so do you, do, is there like a, and forgive me for not knowing this aspect, but is there like a messaging aspect where people can connect or how do you like, because I, I have a nonprofit of p- people with patient patients with uh, rare diseases. That's all social networks, and so a lot of times they're they're communicating in a forum aspect, and then a lot of times they're communicating to each other directly. Or or how do you facilitate mm-hmm. like that give give and take, like a rapid conversation? So we have direct messaging. We also have groups for people who have similar interests or industries. So we have a job seeker group for those who are actively mm. job seeking. We have, you know, like a women over 40 group. We have new um, to the workforce groups. We also have just a feed that anyone can participate in. So think of like a face, your Facebook or LinkedIn feed. It's, it's, it's public. Yeah, that's amazing. And so like you must have like some just crazy success stories. Does like, anything jump to mind where you're like, oh, my gosh, I changed this person's life or or maybe even just, you know, even fairy god boss using it for their own recruiting. I mean, what have you what kind of feedback have you gotten from the community? I think one of the most gratifying things is to see that. I mean, one of our we have a social mission. One of the most gratifying things is to see it actually happening initially because we were just reviews. We just thought, you know what, we're going to create some peer pressure in a positive way and get companies to compete with themselves for better policies and better cultures for women. And we started getting inbound calls from companies saying, you know what, we found you when we were researching how to improve our maternity policy. And that was incredibly gratifying because they didn't know where to get that information about their competitors before because it wasn't just employees who couldn't access it or prospective employees. It was also the companies themselves didn't know how to benchmark themselves. That's, against their competitors. That's amazing. So like capitalism actually wants to have better leave policies and things like that. But if people don't know what's going on, what the what what the alternatives are, they they don't kind of step up themselves basically. That's right. So I mean, imagine being a, you know, one and a half year old startup and General Electric reaches out to you because their HR department found you when they were researching <laughs> what to do. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's super cool. Oh my god. Was that like one of your aha moments like we're going to this is going to work kind of thing? 
second one, that and, you know, our first customer was actually an inbound, and it was the CHR of, of Accenture. And I thought, wow, this person found us, and we had like 10,000 people on the site, and said to us the sentence, whatever you are selling, I'm interested in buying. And we had nothing to sell at that That's point. amazing. That's amazing. Well, now you have, maybe talk about kind of the business model, or not even like a business model, but like how do customers get involved and how do they reach uh, women who they're trying who they're trying to recruit? Like that is actually something we do. Like we we you know you know us. We have a woman founder, and my mom was an entrepreneur. We we love hiring women and people of color. I mean, how do you how do you make it easy for companies that want to reach folks like that? Yeah. So one of the things that you know our business model does is help companies tell the story of why they're a great place to work, and we started to understand what resonates with female job seekers and what doesn't. And one of the things that they really want to see are things like women in leadership roles. They just want to see people who look like them. Yep. I mean, it sounds really basic, but it, but you need to have the picture up, right? And you need to have the story. You need to have the profile. You need to explain how she actually manages, lives, conducts her life, how she changed from being um, in one department to working in another or worked her way up in, in the organization. Without those stories, it's really difficult to believe just sort of a slogan, like we're a great place for women to work. You have to have the stories bring that reality to life. The, the stories, and I've also read a lot on this in that, like you said, kind of the pictures, like people who um, are, you know, people of color or women, like the proof's in the pudding a little bit. Like when you've recruited people like that and they're having a great career at your company, that's the ultimate validation that it's going to be a safe and fruitful place for them to work. And that's kind of what you're right. saying, right? Yeah. I mean, when I was looking for a job in pregnant, I, you know, you interview with who you interview with, but I really actually wanted to understand who the management team was and you because that was the, the long term, right? Yeah. And you can see that through Fairy Godboss. Well, we, we tell them that that's the best way to tell the story. Now, every company is in, in a different point in their journey, right? So some, some companies we work with don't have very many women, and that's why they're with us. <laughs> and we always – and so it's a little bit of a, you know, an explanation. We have to say, look, no company is perfect. Everybody's tried something. And if you're here, you're basically saying you care enough to try. I was going to say, and, I laughed at that, but that's exactly what it is. They're at least they're making an effort through their relationship with you. And like, everyone's got to start somewhere, you know, like if, if that's not how it was historically, kudos to the people who are, are breaking with the past and actually making those efforts to bring those folks into their company. And you know, it's interesting. A lot of these companies actually have done stuff. They're just not really great at telling the story about what they've done. Mm, interesting. Because you have one career page, right? And that career page has to service everybody. Generally not a marketing person who's done it for them. Yep. Uh, you're actually, it's so funny. I actually just, like we were, I told you before we turned the mics on that we were at an offsite in Vegas and I had that light bulb go on where I was like, we don't even have a picture of our team on the career page. Like it's literally yeah. just job listings. And I was like, oh my God. And we were, we had a photo session. So I was like, let's t take a bunch of different pictures of our team at the very least just put it on that page so people can see who we are and see who they'd be working side by side with. It's interesting because you're growing so fast that you realize that investing in this becomes a real competitive advantage and need. It's just, just what you have to do as a business is to advertise yourself as an employer. I, in the you, right way. you said it perfectly. That's exactly how we feel. And also like, you know, some of like we extended better vacation policies and things like, like, our, our kind of benefits and perk package have gone up as we've gotten bigger because we realize that you can attract really amazing people with just like a little bit of extra effort there. Right. And if you were um, 
marketing person for looking after consumer product, you'd be shouting that from the rooftop. But employer branding <laughs> sort of gets a short shift, right? Uh, totally. Well, luckily you created Fairy God Boss to, to help solve this. So with, with if someone like GE or Accenture or even Cruise Consulting wants to work with you, how do they do it? So we charge an annual subscription, and for that you get unlimited job listings on our site. A profile page that sits adjacent to the user-generated employee reviews. So you don't get to change the reviews, but you get to tell your version of the story. And then we'll write a piece of sponsored content for you every quarter. So there's some other, you know, bells and whistles that you can add on to that. But that's sort of our basic package. And that costs about $50,000 a year. That's amazing. And so, and the cool thing is they get to kind of shape their story and come across as they want to, but you're also helping them, you're helping them shape it basically and making sure that they're hitting the right notes. Yeah, because we definitely see certain things correlate with better job performance, yep. like job application performance. That's that's fantastic. And is Fairy God Boss like a site that because your, your network is getting so big, kind of like LinkedIn or maybe even Glassdoor where like everyone, not everyone, a lot, most, I'd say you guys are, you're kind of crossed the chasm and now you're scaling rapidly, but like people know about Fairy God Boss. So are you coming up higher in like Google search results and things like that? And so you have like organic visibility as well on the internet and just in general? Yeah. So organic search has been one of our key growth drivers and it's tricky because I think Every consumer-facing company has to contend with two behemoths, right? Google and Facebook. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, those have been important growth channels for us, but we're trying to create our own sort of user network effects by creating things like Fairy God Boss groups and giving people a reason to invite other people through us as a platform. It's just really hard to be so dependent on, you know, the two monopolies. Oh, for sure, for I mean, sure. You know. It's just expensive. Well, it's but it but it's also like you've reached critical mass now, so I can totally see how how it's working like that. Like you you use them and get them going, and and they and they love good content too. So you're like a really ne- nice, especially with Google, a nice fit with Google. But at some point, you become like a little mini LinkedIn, you know, and all of a sudden you're rising up the search results, and and that's what users want to find. So I I can I it feels to me like you have this like really amazing built-in growth loop, especially because something I admire about your company is it's such a content-centric company and you really deliver value to the users. And I feel like that's just like this. I, I feel like you could be a 20 or 30 or 40 year company because that stuff just keeps getting stronger and stronger over time. We hope so. <laughs> it, is, it, it is fun. And I love the user-generated content because you can't create it all. And the, some of the things that happen and some of the stories that are shared in our feed are just things you couldn't make up. <laughs> like, oh. like women talking about their workplaces or something that happened with a colleague. I mean, there's some that are really interesting. I totally agree. Now, you also have a really cool conference that maybe you could spend a couple of minutes talking about as well. Yeah, we definitely punch above our weight when it comes to, and this is all credit goes to my co-founder on this. We have an annual event that connects the leaders of women's employee resource groups. So do you know what employee resource groups are? I don't, but, and so maybe you can explain it. I'm sure people in our audience don't know it either. So in the 1970s, I think it started at Coca-Cola, black professionals there got together and created the first employee resource group. They said, you know what, let's get all the black people working at Coca-Cola together and share learnings, advice. Let's try to network a little bit. 
better and support each other. And this was something that um, Coke really sponsored and supported. And so variations of this have exploded over the last 50 years. And so there's employee resource groups for Latinx people or LGBT. PQ, women's groups tend to be one of the largest at these companies and sometimes can be so large that they could be little companies in themselves, right? 40,000 people across a company globally could belong to a women's resource group. Wow, like a Coca-Cola or something like that, yeah. Exactly. And so we get the leaders of these women's networks together because they typically drive a lot of change in terms of diversity and inclusion for that group at that company. But they don't get to come out of the silo of working at that company. And a lot of them do this on a volunteer basis, if you can believe it. They just no care way. That wow. They're not, like, led by somebody whose job it is to lead this group. Wow. And so they really care. They really drive inclusion and diversity at, um, in corporate America. And so we get them together every year. And it's fascinating to hear what kind of policy changes they've been able to implement, how they organize themselves to be most effective. Because when you're that large, you're like running a little company. Some of them get budgets from HR. Well, they're running a company and they're doing it for free because they care so passionately about the cause. I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah. And I think um, we learned so much because they're really at the forefront of new initiatives. You know, this year, the theme of our event was male allies, because I think it's become clear that you can't just have change in terms of gender equality if only women are in the room talking about it, right? The leaders are still men. You still have to get buy-in. You have to not alienate them. You need their sponsorship to get promoted at Mm -hmm. companies. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting because we had a lot of men at our conference this year, including the CEO of of Deloitte and Nielsen were there. This is some examples of talking about how they mentor women or how how and why they have gotten involved with employee resource groups at their companies. That's absolutely fantastic. And are you are you doing one conference a year, or what's the frequency of the conferences? Yeah, this year we're going to do two for the first time. Ah, one I love on the it. West Coast, one on the East oh, Coast. Oh, wow, yes. Where's the West Coast one going to be, San Francisco or L.A.? San Francisco. Oh, all right. You're, you're in our neck of the woods. That'll be great. Were there any kind of um, – are there any moments you reflect back on in your early days and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad we, we got over that hump or I can't believe we navigated that difficult situation? Any advice for the for the founders earlier in their journey? I'm a first time founder and I think I probably made every mistake in the book at some point. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, I, think, I think the trick is just I think it's OK to make mistakes. I think it's not OK to keep making the same one. Yes, yes, yes. And so you really have to ask quickly sometimes when you, and that might mean really changing the way you operate. So I think we've deliberately slowed down all our decision-making as we've scaled, and we didn't want to. We wanted to operate at the same speed as, as we did when we were just, you know, two people in our apartment. But you really can't and shouldn't because there's more at stake. There's more people who have insights to share. There should be more deliberation and everything you do impacts all your users more and all your customers more. And then now I think now the trick is like how much time do you take versus, you know, act fast. And we still are too small to act slowly. And I think that's that's kind of hard because you just have to change your mindset every six months. Yeah. I'm nodding vigorously because like I just recently Vanessa and I were both telling each other we just need to slow down a little bit because it's it's really you get that endorphin hit when you like figure out a new process or figure out some way of fixing thing or you know a new software tool it's going to make your life easier but it takes implementation time and one of the kind of 
things we learned. We called this the year of infrastructure, but we learned that we're slower than we used to be on implementing new stuff. And that's just because we have a lot more people who have to learn something and convey it to the clients. And I think that's an example of what you're talking about. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's been moments where you were maybe that decision to do the second conference in 2020 was actually made in 2018. And you just, you're, you're just being kind of judicious about how you plan it. But but slowing down and, and making sure everyone's fully on board and can execute something is, is really good advice. Yeah, it's um, it's not for the fan of cards of startup stuff, but it's very, um, I think it's, it's really exciting. It's like endorphin heavy. Yeah, I love it too. And we, you and I are both in similar situations in that our spouse, my spouse works and founded Cruise and your, your spouse has a, uh, has a, has a startup as well. And you have kids and we have, we have a kid and it's, it's fun, but it's hard to balance everything, you know? Yeah. It is hard. Are there you any? Need to have a lot of support. Are there any? Yeah. What tricks do you use? And I, I ask this as a founder, not as like a woman CEO, because I, I need advice on these kind of things too. And I, before we got on the mics and turned them on, I was like, oh my gosh, you should have heard about my morning. But like, what do you? What, what are some little tricks that work for you as just a parent? I think that your spouse has to really be supportive, and if you need to, really explicit about the contract, the implicit contract between you and your partner about who's doing what, when. Because I think without that explicit conversation or really deep implicit understanding, there's so many opportunities for tension and arguments that you could avoid if you just have the conversation, almost like as a business conversation up front. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. You said something to me that really stuck with me where um, I think we were probably a year ago and we were um, not getting enough sleep because we have a one-year-old at the time. And you're like, you know, it's easy to get in arguments with your spouse when you don't have enough sleep and you have a little baby. You just got to be careful about that. And I, there's been many times where I've reflected on that advice and I really appreciate that advice because it, it kept me from getting into it when I shouldn't or just being smarter. And so that, that's something I've always I've thought of. And one thing I learned kind of a, on your validating what you're saying is there's time, things that Vanessa and I didn't talk about that we thought we thought each other understood, but because we didn't explicitly talk about it, as you say, and also mirroring each other and, and validating what, what you heard from the other spouse can be super important. And that, that was a, a, a real breakthrough for us where we, we started kind of repeating what the other person was saying, not in a cheesy way, but like in an understanding right, way, right. you know? Right. I mean, it's hard because you also work together. So you really have no separation of work and yeah. life, right? Well, All we, one. we try to separate it now because that's our kind of way. And I'm sure you and your husband, because your husband has a startup too, right? So like you guys yeah. could talk about startup stuff all the time at home um, if you wanted to, but I'm sure it would drive you crazy. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Yes to both. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. One kind of quick question, and then we'll wrap it up. But what are some for Fairy Godboss? You, you've come so far, and the, it's coming at a really exciting point. What are you most excited about in 2020? Is it the is it the second conference, or is it the traction, or are you doing anything new that that's going to blow people's minds? Well, for the first time in 2020, we are going to launch our employer portal. So, believe it or not, even though we're a marketplace business, there's been no software experience for our customers. They're the beneficiary of our large community that, you know, looks at their profiles and applies their jobs. But there's actually no active way for an employer to source candidates in our site right now. So they're going to have access to a job seeker database. Oh, wow. Profiles. That's cool. And um, that'll allow them to be more proactive about reaching out to 
qualified women that they see in our database. And um, that also helps our job seekers, right? They want to be contacted. Actually, one of the things, reasons we did this was because there's research that shows that because of implicit bias, I don't think it's deliberate. Sometimes women get contacted less than men on LinkedIn, and there's no way to search for women, for example. Oh, interesting. There's no filter for gender. Yeah, and there probably isn't that for LinkedIn's probably Great worried about either. discrimination, but actually it, it, yeah. it's like reverse discrimination or impacts uh, in, a, in a way that people didn't anticipate. That's really powerful. You're totally right about that, like creating more liquidity and positive, like that positive cycle of reinforcement because the more women who are getting contacted and be, having success finding that perfect job will then speed the word of mouth and even bring in more people to the site. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I've actually seen recruiters do 750-word Boolean searches with common female names as <laughs> wow. a way of trying wow. to find women. <laughs> effort, it's just not, you're right, for discrimination reasons, you're not allowed to filter by race or gender. Well, that sounds like a really cool product launch, and uh, I'll look for it. And maybe you can just kind of tell everyone where they can find Fairy God Boss and how to reach out if they're interested in becoming a customer or just a user. Well, we are a, we have a funky name. <laughs> Fairy Godlove. I love it. Don't change it. it I love it. <laughs> it's... So we're pretty easy to find. It, it means anyone who elevates women at work. So it can be a man. It can be a woman. And we're pretty easy to find because of our name. Awesome. Check out Fairy Godboss. It's been a pleasure working with you. I'm so excited about where the company is going. And I've seen you build it over time. And, uh, and kudos to you and your co-founder, who I know has worked really hard on the company, too. And I, I can see I can see the future five years from now. And you're... I, Companies like this get really, really strong, and you become like the de facto place for this kind of stuff. So kudos to you, and, and I'll be watching your success uh, from, from afar. Thanks, Scott. You too. Oh, thank you, Georgie. Okay, I'll catch you later. Thank you. Bye. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Scotty Orr.